Good morning and greetings to each of you this morning in Jesus' name. John mentioned us being here ongoing and we enjoyed the, a warm welcome from you this morning and we are looking forward to being here ongoing. For a message this morning, I was inspired. For a message this morning, I was inspired <clears throat> some time ago. It was actually, so I was thinking several years ago, but it's probably been more than that. That um, we were involved with the girls' club, and we were planning to have the girls' club staff out to our place for a picnic in the evening. And along with that, uh, one of the things that the club committee was hoping to do was to share the gospel, you know, specifically share the gospel with the children. And we thought that would be a good time for us to share the gospel and just share the message of the gospel, let it sink into the young hearts and allow that to, to take root and work in their lives. Well, that evening... We got everything as ready as we could. The vans were out picking up people in Harrisonburg, and a cloud much bigger than the size of a man's hand came up in the west, and it started getting bigger and bigger, and it continued to grow, and the time got closer, and people were picking up children, and we were going to get a storm. It just looked like we were going to get a storm for sure, and I was praying about that, and it just hit me, you know, God, this is your work. You are the one in charge of this. You know what's going to happen this evening. You know what we're trying to do. You know what we want to do. You work this out. I'm going to stop fretting about this, and I'm going to let you take control of this situation. It poured. The vans came up the lane, and it was just torrents of rain coming down. Well, we have a basement. And at the time, it was unfinished. It was a big, full basement. And uh, so we got everybody down there. We did hot dogs on the grill instead of doing it out over a campfire. And we all were there playing. The children were having fun. And so we gathered around in a circle. You know, the basement is kind of dim down there. And, and we all gathered around in a circle for devotional time. And, and I had this uh, presentation prepared. And you know, I've never seen those children sit like they did that evening as I shared that. Did God have control of that situation? I realized that if we'd have been outside, we'd have never had the opportunity that we had that night in the basement. God was in control. Well, about a year ago, or maybe a little bit more, we were going to have a picnic night uh, out here, and we were going to bring pets, and we were going to invite people to come, and, and we were going to show them their pets. Well, I don't know if you all remember that night. but I was driving into Harrisonburg, and there was a big cloud coming up in the west. And, and I remember where I was at in Harrisonburg as I looked at that cloud when I remembered that night of Girls Club. And I remembered, God, you're in control. This is your work. 
You know what you're doing. You work this out. And that cloud hung up about halfway through Harrisonburg and stayed there all evening and dumped rain. And it was nice out here. All we got was a, little, a few sprinkles. God was in control. The title of the message this morning is, Have Faith in God. I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 10. That's where we'll be starting. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 38 and reading to verse 7 of chapter 11. Verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now, <clears throat> I'd like to go back to verse 38 for just a bit and look at a, at a phrase there in verse 38. It says, the just shall live by faith. And uh, that phrase is also in the book of Romans chapter 1. But um, there's, there's this link here between life and faith. And I just want us to, to have that in the back of our minds as we begin this message. And as we go through this message. Now, the, the title of the message, Have Faith in God, came directly from the words of Jesus. Does anybody know where that, where that is? What, what the situation was when he said that? I wouldn't have been able to answer that question myself, so I don't really expect you to, but he was in the, it was in the context of Jesus was hungry and he saw a fig tree out in front of him. He was going towards Jerusalem and, and he, in this, he went to this fig tree to, to get something to eat in, there wasn't anything there. It wasn't any figs. It was just leaves. And, and he said, there'll be no fruit growing you from henceforth forever. And the next day they were coming back on the same road and the disciples said, whoa, look at that fig tree. And Jesus said, have faith in God. And he wanted to talk about that through faith, what can happen through faith when we believe in God. So what's contained in that statement? What is faith? I'd like to think just a little bit about just a, a kind of a word study almost of what faith is. You know, there's, there's an idea in our world today that, that faith is just like this blind acceptance of things of which there is no evidence. 
we just blindly believe something, especially when it's related to religious text. Um, we just blindly believe this, and that's just what, what faith is. And so it's kind, of a, it's kind of a negative word, and it's often compared to fact or uh, proof and in a negative sense. But uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, part of the text we read this morning, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And uh, another, another way to put it, the New American Standard says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So, so what is faith? It's belief here in something that's not seen. It's a conviction about something that's not seen. But what does that mean? And I'd like for us to think just a little bit that, that all of us put our faith in something. Where were you born? Now, my parents tell me that I was born at RMH by Caesarean. And I believe that by faith in them. Because you see, I wasn't there. I mean, I was there. <laughs> but I don't remember that. I didn't experience that. Now there was something that happened about 80 to 85 years ago that I wasn't there. And uh, I believe that too. My grandmother tells me about a time when money was scarce in the 1930s. And uh, that she trapped skunks for a little bit of extra income during that time. And, uh, you know, I believe that too. I believe that happened, you know, and I, I, I have my grandmother's testimony, but I have more than that. You know, there's, there's documentation of it. There's books written about the, the depression. And, and so, you know, that was, that was 80, 85 years ago. Well, if you go much farther back than that, you don't have any living testimony of, of things that happened in the past. And uh, yet we believe a lot of things that happened in the past. We just celebrated the 4th of July. And uh, we believe that the Declaration of Independence was, was signed, you know, some 240 years ago. Um, but uh, how about a little farther back than that? How about the, the life of a, of a man who, who was born in Bethlehem and and uh, lived for roughly 33 years and, and died on the cross, on a cross. And, um, you know, and, and we have documentation of that as well. But, you know, it's not, we don't have, we don't have living testimony anymore as far as uh, someone alive who witnessed those things today. Uh, but, but do we believe that? Uh, we could go farther back than that. I mean, there's, there's people that believe that things happened uh, up to around 4 billion years ago. Um, and you see, that's faith too, because we don't have any documentation of those events. We didn't have any eyewitnesses of something that happened uh, four billion years ago. Um, but um, but that's that's something that some people believe occurred. Um, and um, you know, according to according to some of that thinking. Those people believe that at that point there was there was some kind of a big bang or explosion and and um, 
out of that, there was, there was a tremendous amount of, of actual fine tuning that happened as a result of that explosion. Um, I was just looking at something recently. It said that, that the gravitational constant is, um, if it was off one in 10 to the 60th power, which is a one with 60 zeros behind it, uh, the earth would, or the universe would have either expanded, um, to prohibit life or it would have collapsed on itself. It was off just that amount. So it took that much, it was that much fine tuning to make life available on earth and just that specific issue. Uh, now, if you, if you go to matter and energy, uh, then you have to have a whole lot finer fine tuning to make life possible here on earth for us. And so, so people be- believe things. Uh, we believe things. Some of those things are well documented. Some of those things are not so well documented or maybe not documented at all. And we believe those things by faith. Um, a couple years ago, somebody showed me a, some pictures of sand that had been magnified. I forget how many times, but many, many times. So these little particles of sand that were magnified and this was, this was on the internet and then below that, there was comments about these pictures. Well, those pictures of sand were little pieces of coral and little sand dollars, and, and that's what those little particles of sand were. Uh, seaweed, coral reef, you could see when it was magnified like that, you could see those little tiny uh, things that they had, they had formed from. And uh, so immediately below that in these comments, it became really quickly an argument about whether it was... Uh, evolution or creation that this was proving, you know, this proves creation, this proves evolution. Um, and, and that re- helped me to understand something about faith. You see, it says here in, in uh, chapter, I mean, in verse one of chapter 11, it is evidence of things not seen. You see, those people are looking at the same evidence and they were coming to a different conclusion based on their faith based on their faith position. So what do we put our faith in? The question isn't whether we have faith. The question is what, what, what are we putting our faith in? And um, so I'd like for us to think about that a little bit. Acts 14, verse 7. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. That's speaking about God. And Paul is, is talking to people and, and telling them about God. In Romans 1.19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, God, for God has shooted unto them. For the invisible things of Him, now you see we're getting into this, this idea of things not seen. Uh, the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, faith in God is not just a blind belief in something that is unseen, but it's rather, it's a belief in something for which there is evidence. There's evidence for a Creator. There's evidence around us, and that evidence, God says, is going to come come through the things that are made. The things that I have made, you will be able to see me, the unseen God. We 
We'll be able to witness his goodness in what he has given us, the good things that he has given us. We'll be able to witness his eternal power and Godhead through his creation, through the awesomeness of his creation. Have faith in God. Faith in the God who created and sustains the universe by his word. Now think about that. He created the universe by his word. Verse verse 3 says, For through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So the invisible God created out of his, he spoke into existence the, the creation. The same God sent his Son into the world, the Word made flesh, to reveal his person to us. Hebrews 1 3 says this of Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So when we want to know what God is like, where do we look? We look to Jesus. See, God evidenced himself in the person of Jesus to show us who he was. And Jesus raises this question, In Luke chapter 8, he was talking about prayer. And he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? So, faith exists. We all have faith in something. God has evidenced himself and given us something to believe in. He's not just left us without witness. He's given us witness so that we have something, some evidence to put our faith in. Nevertheless, will he find faith? How important is faith? Let's look at verse 6 of our text. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. So there's two things here that happen as a result of faith in God are two things that we must know about God. One of them is His existence. We must know of His existence. The other is His goodness. He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. And you see, if if we lack either one of those two things, we're not going to be able to find God. We're not going to be able to place our faith in God. We must have faith, because without faith it is impossible to please Him. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. We won't be able to please Him. Not we won't be able to have faith, we won't be able to please Him. You see, faith is such an integral part of the Christian experience. We must have faith. It's a requirement. Otherwise, we cannot please God. So what happens when we don't have faith? See, when we don't have faith, it actually limits what God can do. It says in Matthew 13, 58, 
of Jesus, he did not many, many mighty works there because of their unbelief. It limited what God was able to do because of a lack of faith, a lack of belief. So what about with faith? Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him that believes. And that word believeth, believe there means to have faith. And then in relation to salvation, Jesus says in Mark 10, 24 through 27, that all things are possible. I better turn there, because I think that's the account of the... That is Mark 10, 24. Let's back up to verse 23. And Jesus looked around about and saith unto, unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And the implication there is that our belief in God is what makes that possible. That with Him, He has that work, we please Him through belief, and it's possible for us to experience salvation with God, because with God all things are possible. Now this is shifting gears a little bit, and it's maybe will feel like a little bit of a trick question, but there's only one thing that we need to be saved and live in victory over sin. What is it? There was a message here about it two weeks ago. It's grace. For by grace are ye saved. We need the grace of God. Well, the popular view of grace is that it is unmerited favor. And I'd like for us to, to think about the fact that, that grace is unmerited, but that's not the definition of grace. It's the reason why grace is given. God's reason for giving us was not giving grace to us is not because of our merit or the fact that we deserved it or earned it. So in that sense it is unmerited, but it's really the power of God to do the will of God. It's the power to obey him. So how do we lay hold of the grace of God? For by grace are ye saved through faith. You see, faith is a door to the power of God. Through faith, the blessings of God are become available to us. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. First John 5, verse 4. For whatsoever 
is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith is the avenue, the door through which the blessings of God become available to us. And Jesus calls us to have faith in God. So we can define faith. We can talk about what it is. But there's a question that's deeper than that, and it is, what is faith to you? Because we can define it, but unless it's personal, it doesn't have the value that is needed to please God. Because it has to be a personal faith that, it, that pleases God. So how do we establish faith in God? Where does it come from? The answer to that's in Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is continually coming into this whole idea of faith. God's Word revealing Himself to man. And, and we are through that uh, coming to know who He is through His Word, through the living Word, through the written Word, we come to know who God is and then we have evidence. And that evidence of Him gives us something to place our faith in. But there's another part to this as well. And that's the hearing. Jesus often said as He spoke to people, He said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So God has, God has done His part. He has, he has given input into our lives. He's given us His Word. But there's also a part for man. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells the parable of the four soils. And He says that the, the seed is the Word of God. And then He talks about the different soils that that seed falls into. And as he, as he gives that, then he, he gives the interpretation of it as well. He talks about what kind of hearts it's going into. It's going into stony ground, hard hearts. And he says that it's in an honest and good heart where the seed can take root. And so we have an active part to play in making our hearts the kind of hearts that can hear the Word and can bring forth fruit where faith can be established and fruit can come forth. How does faith express itself? So Jesus' implication in that parable is that that in that honest and good heart, that that seed will bring forth fruit. That word will bring forth fruit. And I'd like for us to think back now about what it says there in verse 38. The just shall live by faith. You see, there's, there's a life here connected with this idea of faith. And, and that same connection is made in the book of James. So let's turn over to James chapter 2.
and read verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So here we have the idea that faith that is not accompanied by works does not have life. And here in in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it says the just shall live by faith. Well, what kind of a faith is that? That's a kind of faith that is life-producing or that is, is, enters into life, brings us into life. So let's look back here and get the context of this passage here in James. James tells the, the story about, or he refers back to the story of Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. That was verses 21 through 23. Now, so here in verse 21, it says that Abraham was justified by works when he offered his son on the altar. But in 23, and that's talking about Genesis chapter 22. And that story is played out in Genesis chapter 22. But verse 23 is referring back further than that. It's referring back to Genesis chapter 15, where it says this. Genesis chapter 15, 3. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. So he's saying there that Abraham's descendant is going to be someone who is, who is his child. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So here in, 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 in Genesis 15, God is saying that, that Abraham was righteous based on his faith. So Abraham believed the Lord. Now, now remember that. And then think about Genesis 22. Think about the story of Abraham going up that mountain. And what did he say to the servants? He said, I and the lad will go and return again to you. Was he not planning to sacrifice his son? No. See, later in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises, chapter 15, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. You see, his faith was that God had promised that Isaac was going to be his heir. And he moved forward in obedience to God, believing that God was able to overcome the difficulty of him needing to sacrifice his son, believing that God was able to raise him from the dead. 
Abraham had every intention of slaying his son as he went up that mountain, believing the word of the Lord, which had come to him in Genesis chapter 15 and said that Isaac would be his heir. So let's look at verse 22 now, which is sandwiched in between those two. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And that word perfect means complete. And the scripture was fulfilled where God said in chapter 15 that he believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. So the, the works that Abraham did, the obedience that Abraham carried out was a completion of the righteousness that he had through faith. You see, faith that does not generate obedience will not open the door to life. It will not be a living faith. Faith without works is dead. At the beginning of the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther <clears throat> emphasized faith only. And um, he leaned heavily on the book of Romans to do that. And maybe there's, maybe there's commentary somewhere about what he believed about Romans chapter 1, verse 5. I couldn't find it. Um, here's what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 5. You see, Paul built the book... On, the foundation of the book of Romans on obedience. It's talking about Jesus here. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. See, Paul was building on obedience to the faith. That faith produces obedience. In conclusion, I'd like to look at verse... 17, I'm sorry, verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I just think this verse is such a tremendous presentation of what faith is. Noah was warned of God of something that was unseen. He believed God by faith. And as a result of that, he did something. He moved in obedience. He did what God told him to do as a result of that faith. And then three things happened. He saved his family. He condemned the world. And he became heir of righteousness. Last evening, we were out on the porch watching some fireworks and two of the boys were standing on a two-by-four. It was about waist high. And they said, Daddy, come over here and we're going to fall backwards to you. So I went over there and I said, okay, I'm here. You can, get, you can, you can fall backwards. They couldn't bring themselves to do it without looking. You see, there's something about us that when we can't see something, it's really, really hard to trust. 
We talked about the past. Can we see the future? What does the future hold? What are we going to put our faith in? How are we going to operate going forward? Will we be like Noah? God has given us warning and direction for the future. He's given us direction how to prepare for the future. Will our faith produce or lead to obedience? Have we placed our faith enough in God that we will obey Him regardless of what we see or can't see? And will we, like Noah, experience the three things that he experienced? Save our families, show the world a better way, and make us heirs of righteousness. All things are possible to him that believeth. The Lord bless you as you place your faith in the God of the universe. Shall we have a song?